Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. singing and worship wonderful. Anytime you get to talk about the greatness and glory of our God, you're on worship ground. And I want to tell you, I believe uh, God called me to something new today. I think I'm going to get me a set of drums at the house. <laughs> Learn how to play them drums, watch an old cam. There you go, brother. Gil. Miss, Tra- Miss Tracy's saying No. But, uh, man, I like that. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. We begin preaching verse by verse through this wonderful book today, 2 Samuel. Now, some of you say it's kind of a long book. I I don't think it's that long. But uh, some of you might say it's a long book. How long are we going to preach through it, Dr. Mike, till we're finished? That's my cardinal rule. I preach till I'm through. Amen. I preach till I'm through with preaching or until preaching's through with me. And I'll be in the grave when preaching's through with me. Uh, well, maybe not. We're on record now. Y'all watch videos or recordings or what have you. But 2 Samuel, I'm really looking forward through this series. Uh, a number of years ago, we preached through 1 Samuel, and I was going to take about a six-month break, six break from uh, uh, the Samuel and, and then go into 2 Samuel, but God never gave me liberty. God did not give me liberty, led me to other places, and we had a few conversations about that, and I said, God, you're messing up my schedule, and he says, uh, you don't know, I never, I, I never mess anything up. You're the one who messes things up, but uh, we um, uh, finally, the Lord uh, allowed me to go into this wonderful book and, and preach through it, and I look, I look at the timing of it now. Our country is in um, a Second Samuel chapter one mess right now, and uh, it has a lot to say uh, to us as uh, always as Christian people, as people without Christ, but also as Americans, as patriots. And so we're going to kind of look at all of those factors uh, as we journey through Second Samuel. And today we preach on the subject, uh, changing the course of a nation. I could readily say changing the course of your mission, changing the course of your family, 
because it's all the same. Dear friend, if we're going to be straightened out in America, we've got to get our families straightened out. And mamas and daddies need to get straightened out and uh, get right with the Lord. And so it's all, it's all in 2 Samuel. It's everywhere you go. And uh, so uh, I am uh, looking forward to preaching from it. So you ready? All right, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul when David. That's our text this morning. You may say, Preacher, we're going to be in 2 Samuel for an awful long time. <laughs> Not really. And it came to pass after the death of Saul when David. And it came to pass. Look at verse 2. And it came even to pass. It came to pass. Some things, all things come to pass. What we need to do today, do today is to consider a little bit of background to 2 Samuel and that first phrase and the first verse of the first chapter to understand uh, our role in changing the course of a nation, changing the course of a church, changing every course that you find yourself on with your family. And what we're going to do today is we're going to go back to a little bit of Bible history. And we're going to consider a few things, and then we're going to look at five different characters in 1 Samuel that shape what's going on, that God used, that, that, that were within uh, the realm of God's providence to bring David to pass as king. I call this first part of 2 Samuel 1 through 7, I believe it is, the ascendancy of the king, the ascension of the king. The king is coming to the throne. David has arrived, but it took a while to get there. It took a while for a man after God's own heart to rule, and David is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He he always is. He's a man of, of great uh, worship. He's a man of great faith. He's a man that, that Samuel said, that God said. He is a man after God's own heart, pursuing the heart of God. As we travel through this book, we're going to see the great sins of David. He committed three major sins that negatively impacted not only his life, but the life of many others. A lot of people died because David sinned against God. And we're going to look at those three sins. He sinned uh, the sin of immorality, uh, the sin of irreverence, and the sin of independence. And we'll get to those in 2028. But anyway, right now, I want to go back in history and bring you up to this verse right here and what God brought to pass. And, of course, we could go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and we could talk about in Genesis 12 when God called Abraham, and he said that I'm going to redeem man, and the way I'm going to do it is, is I'm going to bring about a Messiah whose earthly heritage will start with one race, the Jewish race, and then he hones it on down 
uh, to uh, the human race, the human race, and then he hones it on down to one man uh, and his lineage, and that's Abraham, and then on down uh, to Judah, the tribe, and on down, of course, to the lineage of David in terms of the king. And so we uh, can go back there. But I want to go back to the book of Joshua real quick, and you don't have to turn there. I'm going to get you to turn to some other places in a minute. But you remember the people of Israel came out of Exodus and God delivered them from slavery and bondage. Exodus is the book of redemption. It, it's a beautiful picture of the redemption that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, they were to go on into the promised land. But you remember what happened? They sent out the spies and the spies came back and uh, uh, 12 spies came back and 10 of them said, the giants are big, the grapes are delicious and succulent, but the giants are big. There's no way we can do what God has told us we can do. And have you ever heard that before? You ever thought that way? And of course, two of them, Joshua and who? Caleb. All right, you get church member of the year award right there. And Joshua and Caleb. And what did they do? They said, we'll eat those giants up like they were hot biscuits. We'll tear into them because God's given us this land. And the crowd, the people, believed the ten rather than the two. Amen. You got it, Mason. And I want to tell you what happened. They believed that. They, they, listen, we'll never have a committee with 12 people on it. But nonetheless, they did. And God said, I'm going to judge this generation, and they're going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years and the last one's going to die, and then the others get to go into the promised land. Let me ask you something. Can a generation in a church make decisions based upon faithlessness that will cause them to wander around and dry up and die before next generation can come and see explosion of evangelism and growth and revival? Sure can. That's why we're doing Who's Your Mission. Let's not be that generation. And then... They go into the promised land, and Joshua has the conquest. It's an amazing thing. You have the, the central uh, conquest. You have the northern conquest, the southern conquest. That's how the book of Joshua is divided up. Great victories are won. And then that generation of Joshua's dies and goes away. And there's a generation that has come to pass in the book of Judges that knew not Joshua, didn't practice the ways of faith and fight the battle and fight the good fight like Joshua's people did in the book of Judges. As a matter of fact, they had no king because God said, I am your king. And as long as you had a man like Joshua leading the nation, God was their king. And they struggled with obedience as we always do, but God was their king. And then the judges came and there was no king in the land in the Bible says recurringly through the book of Judges, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's the theme of the book of Judges. And they got into a cycle, a historical cycle in that nation, like many nations do today. And they would sin, and they would commit vile evil and follow after the gods of the land. That was the first step. And then God would judge them. God would bring about an oppressor. It, might have, it was usually another nation, and they would take them into slavery or they would put them under tribute, and the oppression was hard. And then the people would, under such oppression and hardship, they would cry and weep out to the Lord and ask for God's forgiveness. 
and God would hear their prayer, and he would raise up a judge, a military leader who would follow God's heart, and he would, he would lead the battle and win the victory, and the people would no longer be oppressed. One, two, three. And the fourth thing was, is, is that deliverance. And God would deliver them as usually as long as that judge was living. And the generation that followed that judge was living. Those people in those regions were true to the Lord. But then the judge would die. And the generation would pass away. And all of a sudden, the people were going after sin, the idols again. And the cycle would start all over, round and round and round and round and round. The last judge recorded in the book of Judges was a man by the name of Samson. He was an undisciplined man. He was a man who was given to lusts and given to anger and and uh, pride and arrogance. And uh, God would have to kind of put him on the shelf a little bit and teach him a few lessons. But, but uh, you remember when Samson died, he had been captured by the, oppressed, by, by, by the oppressors, the Philistines. They poked his eyes out, and they made him mash in the meal and work hard as a slave and a, and a prisoner. And then one day they wanted to mock Samson and they wanted to mock the, gods, the God of Israel and they brought him into their headquarters, their temple, their capital. And Samson, they, they placed Samson between the pillars and, they, and he touched the two pillars. Remember that? A little, the Bible says a little boy led him in. A little boy probably led him in by a chain that was around his neck and led him in and said, Here you go, Mr. Samson. You stand right here, and everybody's going to laugh at you and make fun of you. I imagine old Samson said, little boy, you better beat it out of here because God's with me again. And he pushed the pillars down, and they came down. Now, the interesting part about 1 Samuel is Samson's work and Samson's victory that cost him his own life took place at the same time and around the same period as when the events of 1 Samuel 1 through 7 were taking place. And so we have the book of Judges. Samson is the premier figure. And all of a sudden, we have 1 Samuel introduced to us in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, and we're introduced to the first character I want to talk to you about. And his name is Eli. Eli. Eli, at the time, was the chief priest. He was the one who headed up the ministry in the tabernacle when people would come to worship. And Eli was a very weak, spiritual, spiritually weak man. He was a man who had sons, Hophni and Phinehas, also in that priestly tribe, who were running rampant. They were stealing the sacrifice for themselves that people would bring to worship. They were uh, molesting the women who came to worship. It's the same thing. The two things that can get a hold of a preacher quicker than anything, money and sex, and that's what's corrupted the house of God in, in Eli's day. Samson's 
being Samson, the military leader who's supposed to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines is in the flesh and carrying on his own way and against God in his arrogance. And the spiritual leader is corrupt and his sons are worse. And that's Eli. That's the condition of the, of the temple or the tabernacle. That's the condition of the spiritual life and the political life of Israel at the time. What was needed? I'll tell you what was needed. Was a man after God's own heart to lead the nation. To lead the nation. But even before a man like David was needed, God gives us another character in 1 Samuel chapter 1. When I get to heaven, I want to meet this person. I want to shake her hand. I want to sit down with her. And I want to just hear her wisdom and hear her testimony in heaven. And I'm talking about Hannah. That's who's next is Hannah. You read about her in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and uh, verse, uh, well, first chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 and chapter 2. It's an incredible story. Hannah is married to a man by the name of Elkanah. He's a good man, but he has given way to the culture of his day. Just like David is going to give way to the culture of his day in the same way. Elkanah had two wives at the same time. You know, in the Bible, you read about some of the choicest characters, great men that God used and God blessed, who had multiple wives. Well, we're going to preach on that later on in 2 Samuel, and we're going to talk about David and his wives. He had, a, he had some wives. And uh, I haven't quite decided what I'm going to title that sermon, but right now the title is The Dangers of of acceptable sin. The dangers of acceptable sin. It was accepted in that culture, but it was never God's intention. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam, Eve, Joyce, Barbara. No, no, Adam and Eve, amen? And it's one man, one woman for one lifetime was God's intention. But this guy had two wives. Probably because Hannah being the first, she couldn't have children. And so uh, he said, well, I need to get another wife so I can have children. And Panina was the other wife's name. And she was just flat mean. Let me tell you something, men. You bury two wives and have them both in your house, one of them's going to be mean. <laughs> Amen. One of them's not going to be nice. Amen. I ain't going to preach no more on that. <laughs> and she just was relentless upon Hannah, and it burdened her heart. And in that culture, in that culture, producing sons was your husband was a premium. You had to do that. Or you didn't have the value that other women had. Now, that's not true in our culture. But that's the way it was. And Hannah was burdened. And she was broken about it. And then you have her, I guess we could call her the sister wife owner. And it was terrible. 
See, those acceptable sins, especially polygamy in, in the Scriptures as it's defined in Scriptures, and by the way, you'll hear me say this through 2 Samuel an awful lot, just because the Bible records something doesn't mean it condones it. And so the Bible recorded these two wives, and every time without exception, it's nothing but trouble. And so here it was some trouble. And so what does Hannah do? Hannah goes and she starts to pray. She goes to the tabernacle to do their sacrifices. As corrupt as it was, Elkanah was, was a man who believed the law, and he would go to the tabernacle and he would offer his sacrifices and he would worship the Lord. And he would honor the Lord. And Hannah would go with him. And he loved Hannah more than the other one. And I, I can see why. Enough said. And he'd give Hannah a double portion for the sacrifice. And Hannah would go to the tabernacle and she would pray. And her heart was broken. On Wednesday night, we looked at Psalm 63, which was a psalm of David derived from an experience in 2 Samuel. And I, I, I talked about how the psalms have every single emotion imaginable to man in them. And how the reason we preach through books of the Bible and expository sermons is because there's no way I have enough sense to read everybody's issue and reason they've come to worship. But Psalms teaches us that some people come to worship because they're happy and they want to give thanks. There's people in this room today, they're happy in the Lord. God's blessed you and you want to come say thanks. But there's also people in this room who are hurting and you want to say like old David said in Psalm 13, how long are you going to forget me, O God? And so instead of trying to guess where everybody is, we just preach through books of the Bible like it's written and that hits everything, Amen. Well, old Hannah is hurting and she goes to worship and she commences to pray and she's at the altar and she's mouthing her words to the Lord. And just to show you how corrupt and ungodly and immoral and how off base the leadership at their, their church was, if you will, Eli, the pastor, thinks she's drunk. The poor guy couldn't even recognize a burdened, praying saint of God. God help us if we can't recognize when people are praying out of a burdened heart. But she, she's praying, and he goes up to her and says, what in the world are you doing here, drunk? She says, oh, I'm not drunk. I got a broken heart. I'm praying for a son. I'm praying for a son. I'm praying for a son. And if God would give me a son, I'll give him back to God. And Eli, in a flash of, of righteousness, you know, I guess there's good in even the backslidden preachers. Eli said, well, God's going to give you your request. And the next thing you know, Hannah is with child. And that brings us to the third character that we need to talk about is Samuel. It's an amazing thing. But I hope you can see the course of a nation changing. The course of ancient Israel here is about to change. 
And it all starts with a praying mama, a praying woman calling out to God. She's burdened. And she says, God, give me a son, and I'll give him back to you. And lo and behold, here comes little Samuel. And she nurses him, and when he is weaned, now they, they nursed him till about three to four years old. But when he was weaned, it was time to fulfill her vow. And so she brings him to the temple. Now, we preached on this through 1 Samuel, and uh, I believe God had provided some people there to care for him. That's a, you can go back and listen to those 1 Samuel sermons about that. But um, they weren't that far away. And you know this praying mama who prayed for him to arrive on planet Earth she prayed for him while he was on planet Earth, wouldn't you think? And she's praying. And from the person of Hannah, we learn a couple of things that you need to pray for for your children and your grandchildren. First of all, you need to pray for their salvation. You need to pray for their salvation. Pray that God would save them. Let me show you something in, in uh, 1 Samuel that I think will be a blessing to you today and give you some good wisdom from God's Word today. Look at chapter 3, verse 18 of 1 Samuel. This is, this is how Hannah, this is an answer to Hannah's prayer. Now Samuel's born, but Samuel needs to be born again. Your children need to be born again. They need to be saved. And I want to show you how that works. 1 Samuel chapter three, uh, 2, verse 18. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 18. And just prior to that, the writer of Samuel is telling us about Eli's sons who are wicked, Hophni and Phinehas, how terrible they are. And then he gives us a word of contrast in verse 18 of chapter 2 in 1 Samuel and says, But Samuel. Boy, you want your kids to be in contrast to the ungodly. Amen? You want them to be in contrast. Well, Samuel was. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, girded with a linen ephod. And moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And it goes on in these chapters chapter 3, to describe how Samuel had finished his chores one night and he's going on to sleep and the candles are about to go out in the tabernacle. And God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, Samuel. Well, Samuel gets out of bed and runs to Eli's room and says, what you need, sir? And Eli says, I didn't say anything. Your kids ever do that to you? I'm telling you, there's something. They holler out of the night, Dad, Dad, Dad. And I'd say, Tracy, go get up and see what they want. <laughs> I won't tell you what. Eli said, go back. A second time, Samuel hears God speak. Samuel, Samuel. You can read it in chapter 3. And he gets up, runs in, 
Eli, what do you need? What do you need, sir? And Eli has another flash of good sense. He says, Samuel, next time you hear your name, say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And then we'll see what God does. So Samuel goes back, Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And Eli, and, and he says, what do you have to say? And God says, I'm going to do a thing in Israel that's going, to, that's going to send shivers up everybody's spine. Eli and his sons are going to lose out and be gone. Not a one will be left in the priesthood. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I believe that's how a child comes to the Lord to be saved. He had a praying mama. And praying parents, faithful to the Lord, making sure they were under the Word of God. And then when Samuel got of age, they, they taught him about service to the Lord. And then one night, God began to speak to that child. And he was a little concerned. He didn't know what was going on in his little mind. He didn't know who was speaking to him. He was confused. So he started asking some questions. And it took the preacher a long time, a couple of times, to figure out it was God. Let me tell you something. Uh, I'm going to try not to be that way. But God began to speak to that little boy. And one day, God's going to speak to your children. And you need to teach them. Listen to the Lord. Let God speak to them. Doesn't matter how old they are. Let God speak to them. And you say, well, how do I know it's God speaking to them? If it's in agreement with this book, it's God. If it's not, it's not. You say, well, preacher, how do I know? You better start reading your Bible, Mom and Daddy. You better get under the Word of God yourself and be faithful to it so you'll know when God is speaking to your children when they have questions. That's good preaching whether you like it or not. Well, God saved him. So she prayed for his salvation. That's what you pray for. You pray for their salvation. We got kids who are the missions in our Who's Your Mission outreach. They're the missions of mamas and daddies. And they're praying for their kids to be saved. God bless you. God's going to speak to your kids. And then, not only that, but you pray about their service to the Lord. You pray about their service to the Lord. His mama made a little coat for him every year and brought him that little coat. Isn't that something? Now, if you're my age, you would have looked in the Sears and Roebuck catalog. But she made him a beautiful little coat. This was no ordinary coat to keep him warm. It was a linen ephod. It was a priestly garment. The little dude had a priestly uniform on. Can you imagine that? You ever seen them little kids wear policemen uniforms and all that? You know, Well, that's mom and daddy saying, we're going to honor policemen. You're going to wear their uniform. Well, that was mama saying, son, I prayed for you. And I asked God to give you to me. 
And I told God, if, you, if he gave you to me, I would give you to him. And you're special. And you're going to be used in his service. And you're going to be blessed. And you're going to be a blessing to your, to your um, friends. And you're going to be a blessing to the tabernacle. You're going to be a blessing to your family. And you can be a blessing to the whole nation. And she brought him that little coat every year. And I can imagine every year as that little coat got larger and larger, Samuel's understanding of who he was in the Lord grew and grew as well. And so you teach your, your children and pray for them that they'll grow up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And teach them that they can serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them serve with you. Let them serve along with you. And then, oh, Hannah probably prayed for his sanctification. I'm sure she did because he was up there and he had Hophni and Phinehas, those two wicked sons of Eli, and he had old permissive Eli himself. She had to have, I know she, she was somewhat concerned about that, don't you? Aren't you concerned with the people who influence your children? Amen. Well, these guys were in the tabernacle. These guys were in church every day. And they're the example set right there before Samuel. If Samuel needed a role model, he had those two guys who were molesting the women and stealing the sacrifices. He had Eli who was just passive, letting it go by. Now, I'm going to say something here. I'm going to preach right now. You ready? I'm starting to preach right now. Ma'am or sir, you don't want to be at the judgment bar of God. A bad example for kids in this church. You don't want to be that person who mamas and daddies say, son, sweetheart, you act like him, but don't you act like him. Amen. You need to be right with God because you are an example to every kid in this church. Every kid in this church. Every young person in this church. You say, well, I sit in the back. I sit over here. I never see these young people. I don't know them. They watching you. Amen. Now, folks, you say, preacher, you shouldn't be this hard. The mule's done been spooked, folks. I can't unsay it. Amen. The mule's down the road. So I'm just going to keep on riding this mule, Brother Glenn. Amen. Now let me tell you something. we got to have some godly men and women involved in our children's ministry. we got children's church up there and poor old Cole's up there every single week because we can't get workers who want to love on those kids and be a good example. Now all you got to do is sign up for one Sunday every couple of months. Cole will train you and teach you what needs to be done. And that way everybody can be here and some can be up there and have a wonderful ministry to our children's church. Say, preacher, that sounds like an announcement. Well, sometimes you got to preach the announcements. And, and, and I'll never announce the preaching because nobody will show up, but I'm going I'm to preach the announcements. Amen. Listen, if you're a guest at First Baptist Church, this is Greek for amen or oh me. But folks, I want to tell you something. Samuel had those examples that weren't good. But apparently he had some good. I think he had Jephthah's daughter and some others there, and, and that's a whole other sermon. But I think I, he had some good ones. But he had a praying mama. 
who was praying he'd grow up and be godly. Mamas, I know you want your kids to be good, but you need to pray that they'll be godly. I know you want your kids to be educated, but pray that they be enlightened with the Word of God. I know you, you want your kids to be popular, but pray that they'll be powerful for God. And let the other come as it will. It's raining. I can keep on preaching. But that's, that was Hannah praying for old Samuel. And that shaped his life. That shaped his life. And Samuel would grow up, and in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, you know what would happen, and real quickly, i got to move on. This is what would happen. He would defeat the Philistine army, lead the nation to defeat the Philistine army just a few days after Samson died. Samuel would step up, do what Samson should have done, finish the job. And many uh, commentators say it was like Camelot those years that Samuel was in circuit. He was the last of the judges, the first of the prophets, and a faithful priest to the nation of Israel. And upon a day, the people came to him and said, Samuel... You're an old man, and your sons are not like you. They don't walk as you walk. And indeed, they didn't. And they said, so we don't believe you're going to be around much longer, so we want a king like every other nation that we can follow. That's 1 Samuel 8. Well, Samuel said, well, we better talk to God about that. And God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. He said, go back and tell them what kind of king they'll get. And he did. And they said, we want him anyway. And that comes to the fourth character, Saul. Saul becomes man's king. Saul started out real good. First of all, let me say this. Saul looked good. He really did. Uh, now, folks, look, I resigned myself a long time ago to know that YMCA where I go or my alma mater, they're not going to call me and say, we want to put you on our brochure. They're just not going to do it. I don't fit the mode for being on the four-color brochure to attract everybody else. But Saul did. They liked him. He looked good. And they missed the lesson that God looks on the heart, man looks on the outside, and he became their king. He started out real good. He won a few victories, helped some people, but ere long, he grew faithless. He grew faithless. And then God introduces him to David, and David kills Goliath, and there's jealousy in the camp, and Saul is jealous, and Saul goes against the Lord, and Saul disobeys God, and puts his own logic in place. He violated what would later be written by Solomon to trust the Lord with all thine heart and all thy ways acknowledge him. Saul started seeking his own heart. To make a long story short, the last night of his life, the last night of his life, what happens? Saul is consulting a witch to determine because God won't speak to him. He can't get a hold of God, so he consults a witch. He goes into the dark arts, if you will, and the devil's just ready for him. The next day, Saul 
is killed in battle. And that brings us right up to 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, our text. All that came to pass for David to ascend to the throne. He is the ultimate answer to Hannah's prayer. He is the ultimate answer. I don't imagine that wonderful woman Hannah ever thought that her praying would change the course of a nation, that it would be her son who would be the lone ranger in terms of following God, even as a youth, and God would raise him up and connect him to David. Samuel was so confused when he met David. Remember that? He went out to the farm, and Jesse said, What do you want? He said, One of your sons is to be king. He said, Well, let me go get him. And he got the older ones, all the good look, all the ones on the brochure. And the Lord said, That's not him. I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking on the heart. I'm looking on the heart. And finally, he looked at him and said, Jesse, I'm sorry, but none of your boys fit what God wants. And is there any more? And he said, Well, there's one more. He's, where is he? Well, we keep him out there keeping sheep, you know. We, we let him come home every now and Well, why? What about it? Well, he's always singing. He's driving us nuts with his singing. And they went and got him. And it was him. And God gave us a man after God's own heart. And for some years, David led the nation in the path of godliness until he sinned. And it came to pass after the death of Saul when David. So there's many lessons I want to close you with, close out with you on. I want you to write these things down. What do we learn from all of this? And it came to pass. Well, first of all, you need to concern yourself with the lost. You need to concern yourself with the lostness of our nation, the lost world. People are lost and going to hell. That's why our nation's in the shape it's in. Lost people are going to act like lost people, and they're only going to get worse. And then, number two, you need to be a parent. Be a praying parent. Be a praying parent. Pray. Pray for your kids to be saved, to serve, and to live sanctified lives like Hannah prayed for Samuel. And you know what? They may raise up and be a David, or they may bring us to a David. We don't know what God's going to bring to pass in their lives, but it will come to pass. Folks, let me tell you something that's very concerning. Three Baptist colleges in the state of Mississippi, less than 100 men are preparing for the ministry in those colleges. We're at a shortage. Did you know that uh, at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary... Less than 70 men are preparing for the pastorate. When I was at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary working on my master's in 2010, no, that was a long time ago. For the most part, I attended the Shreveport campus. We had more than that in one class. There's a shortage of Young men being called into the ministry. And I want to tell you what I believe it is. I believe it's the judgment of God on America. God says, you don't want to hear from God, I'll quit raising up prophets and preachers. 
So, Jay, we're dinosaurs. What's going to happen when my generation goes out? Now, there's a few young good ones. I love them. I, I, I talk to a few young pastors all the time, and I'm very blessed by their ministries and what they're learning, and I won't tell you where they're going. But, folks, we're in a, we're in a crisis in spiritual leadership in our country. But just like this day, praying mamas can win the war. Praying mamas can bring us through. Amen? Boy, I won't tell you what. I was thinking this morning before I got up to preach. Uh, my mama died in, in um, 1996 on Thanksgiving Day. I lost a prayer warrior for Mike Barnett that day. And then some years later, many years later, since I moved here, my mother's mother passed away at the age of 99. Boy, I won't tell you, I lost a prayer warrior there. And then just a few years ago, my daddy's mama, my grandma, died at 103. And I won't tell you, I lost a prayer warrior there. Remember, I had her over here and we interviewed her on Wednesday night. I lost a prayer warrior. But I won't tell you what they prayed with for me and for all of their grandkids. And my mama prayed for the three of us until the day they died and went on to glory. They may still be praying for me. I don't know what all goes on in heaven, neither do you. But I won't tell you, be a praying mama and a praying daddy because we need it. Our country needs it. Our churches need it. Your kids need it. Scratch off a place every morning and call their name out to Almighty God and ask God bless them and say, God, you can have them. They're yours. Use them. Save them. Sanctify them and put them in service, Lord. Amen, Mama. Amen. By the way, let me show you. I just see Lisa Smith. Look, did you read the bulletin? If y'all don't read them, we're going to quit printing them. But look, all ladies, single, married, with children, without are invited to a women's prayer group meeting February 6th, first, month, first Monday, first Monday of every month over in the activity building. Get over in there with your ladies and in the church and pray. Pray for me. You think I preach too long today? Pray for me. We'll see what God does. <laughs> Be a praying parent. Also, trust in the providence of God. He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to bring it to pass. You know, some of the wonderful stories I've heard through the years have been of people who prayed for their children for years. And they prayed for, for the nation for years. And they prayed for their church for years. Look at verse 1. 2 Samuel, verse 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul. After the death of Saul. They had to go through a whole lot before Hannah's prayer was answered. But God answered a mama's prayer. Amen. And then fight the good fight. David had to go through a whole lot of stuff. Fight Goliath, fight, he had to defend himself, run from Saul. He had to go through all kinds, it was never easy. I'm going to tell you why it wasn't easy for David in a later message. But here, right before he's king, right before he becomes the king, after Saul dies, he's fighting the Amalekites. Fight the good fight. And then one more thing, believe the gospel. If you're not 100% certain that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven you need to be born again, and you need the gospel of Christ. Now, I've told you before, there's Jesus in every verse of the Bible. The Old Testament, Jesus is all over the Bible. You say, well, where is Jesus here? Well, look at verse 2. 
of 2 Samuel 1. We're almost done. And it came even to pass that on the third day, the day Saul died and the battle fell was chaos in the nation. His sons were killed except for one weakling named Ishbosheth, we'll get to, and Abner, his captain. And he was a self he was a self-seeking man. It was awful what happened. The nation was in distress. It would be like, you know what it would be like the day Saul was killed? It'd be like the United States of America losing every wonderful godly leader we have and just the wicked ones still living to rule the nation. Nobody to hold them back. Nobody to push forth righteousness. It's done. And there was a man on the battlefield that we're going to read about next week who ran to David when he saw what had happened. He ran to David, took him three days. David was 90 miles away. And the Bible says, the Bible says, and even it came to pass on the third day. Now let me ask you something. Wasn't there a king that we know On a special third day, he was declared king. Amen. I won't tell you what it took David three days to realize Saul was dead and he would receive the crown. When Jesus was resurrected, God declared him king of kings and lord of lords. Amen. And the battle's over and David becomes king. You need to believe in the death of Jesus Christ who died for your sins. He took your sins on the cross. You need to believe he was buried. That means he was sure enough dead. And you also need to believe that he rose again. If you believe that, you can be saved. You can be saved. And you could trust him and he could forgive you of your sin and take away the guilt and you can become his child. And I want to tell you, it might just be if you would be saved today, it might just be that God is answering some lady named Hannah, back yonder, back yonder, maybe a great-great-grandma you never met who was praying for you before your parents were ever born. And it's going to come to pass today. Let's all stand for our hymn of appeal. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you have a decision that you need to make for the Lord, Unite with our church. Surrender to special service. Come down and just pray and ask God. Ask God to use you to win your mission to Christ. Pray for your children. The altars are open today. Maybe you need to be saved. You need Jesus. Maybe you need to just say, it's time for me to be baptized. Preacher, let's do it. Next week, whatever God is speaking to you, don't run into Eli's room. It's the Lord. Listen to the Lord. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com. 